takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. Well, this is the uh, end of the first week of the new year. Happy uh, New Year still. I'm really not looking forward to uh, the end of the month when President-elect Trump takes control of the free world. So it's probably the scariest thing I've had to face uh, in my life. I mean, it's right up there with, uh, you know, my the birth of my first child, actually. I'm feeling very anxious in not a good way, just uh, a real sense of dread. And then this thing with Meryl Streep, you know, she delivered this beautiful uh, speech at the Golden Globes last night was was largely apolitical, did not mention Trump by name, stood up only for decency and uh, kindness and fairness. And everywhere I turn, there is the most puerile, vitriolic, uh, subhuman, uh, ninth grade uh, slanderings that are coming out from, you know, people who you would think were pretty reasonable, you know, middle America, just working class, Rust Belt people who seem to have totally lost their minds. I don't get it. It's like it's like everything's upside down and inside out and and uh, nothing makes sense anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I think I mentioned last week that uh, even though it was the time of, of Reagan and Reaganomics and the, even the time of Bush Sr., it seemed like uh, decency was still acceptable, an acceptable way of behaving and an acceptable way of talking to one another. And now there's this crazy moral equivalency with uh, ideology, where uh, we liberals and our uh, the West Coast elite and the and the Hollywood folks are all supposed to treat uh, racism and xenophobia and the mocking of disabled people with the same kind of uh, tolerance as uh, normal discourse. And that is not normal discourse. And that is that is not something that we should be tolerant of. None of those things. We shouldn't be tolerant of it. And we should stand up and say, you know what, that's terrible. And talking like that is terrible. And a president that encourages that and incites violence and makes, makes normal the things that are absolutely disgusting, uh, we should stand up for that. And we should not be tolerant of it. And that does not make us intolerant. That makes us normal, decent Americans. And uh, I think the Democratic Party now needs to pick up the American flag and show what patriotism really is and what it is to be an American, just like the GOP has done for the last, uh, I don't know how many years. You know, let's be American. Let's show the GOP and right-wingers and the alt-right and the the neo-Nazis and the racists what it is to be American and to show them that they are not American. Anyway, okay, so that's that. I uh, am going to be reissuing the uh, first interview that I had with Eric Whitaker today. And I thought it would be a great way to get the year off to a, a good start, kind of with a bang. So I know a lot of you have heard it, but I think some of my listeners haven't heard it. And it's a, it's a really good interview. It was only the, the second real interview that I uh, did for the show. The first one was uh, with my dear friend, Marty Schaefer, great baritone here in Los Angeles, who I sing with at, at the opera. We actually went to college together, and I've known Eric since I was in college. So it's uh, I've known both of those guys almost 20 years. I think I've known Eric uh, 17 or 18 years, and I've known Marty for, for 20 years this year. So I started uh, 
you know, in my closest uh, circle, the people closest to me, and worked my way out, as you know. So anyway, uh, the, the nice thing is that next week, I'll be having uh, Eric Whitaker again as my first live guest, my first new interview of the year, uh, a week from today. So I thought it would be really um, kind of cool to put them back to back and see where the show has progressed and see uh, what's new with Eric. It's been a year since you've heard from him. So I don't know. I guess that's about it. Here is my uh, interview with Eric Whitaker. And let's see, uh, I think that was in April of last year or something like that. I, I probably should have looked that up. You probably heard me just clicking on the mouse there, but I didn't really do anything. So I, I don't know. It's been almost a year. I think uh, I think it was April of last year. So uh, I hope you all have a great week. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm sorry about that rant. I'm just kind of uh, amped up with all this bullshit that's going on. I feel like I need to talk about it. And, you know, this is a year for us to get on our feet. Let's get away from the computers and, and uh, look up from our phones. Get on our feet. Paint a sign. Stand on the street corner. Go to your local uh, government office and give them a handwritten letter and tell them how uh, pissed off you are with Washington. All right? This is a year to do that. And we have to do it until we get uh, back to decency and sanity, hopefully in, in two years. It's going to be a long two years. I can tell you that. And probably the most interesting two years uh, of my adult life as far as uh, our country goes. I'm sorry. You know, here's Eric, everybody. Thanks again. When I was with Marty last night? Yeah. It's like, I don't, now what do I do? Like, seriously, what, I? it's like, when we normally have conversations, I don't feel these, I, it's like I'm out of the moment. Because or, I might bring something. Yeah, this is I'm the part where you've got to lead, right? Yeah. So, okay, so. Yeah, so, me, so yeah. this is where I have a card yeah. that says, uh, talk about what Eric puts in his hair. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, okay, so thinking back, I think what Mark Maron might have done in that moment, sorry, I'm always bringing him up, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the only no, podcast I like listen to regularly. The template for me. Is, um, okay, so, like, I think you one of them you nailed beautifully. Like, I, well, I don't remember what we were talking about, but then you pulled it out of the conversation. You're like, wait, what happened? Like, you, you took something. Wait, explain that for a second, right? Right, right, right. So then I think, in retrospect, I said something like, you know, talking about being an artist, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, you know, and that's the uh, uh, Mark is uh, he's an artist. I'm, right. I'm only deconstructing this now. So um, he's what did I say? I said, oh, his meticulous nature. That's you can't separate it from the person. He is who he is. That's right. And then that now in retrospect, that's a big old low hanging fruit. I actually unintentionally revealed something huge about myself. Right. And so possibly what you might do is be like, oh, OK, that's that's where we're going next. <laughs> now it's hard when you got all this happening and Hila walking around. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. But yeah. but do you know what I mean? So there might be some natural segues that we would normally have in a conversation. Yeah, the big problem that I that I'm having now is what we talked about earlier is that when I put the microphones out, I stop listening. Like I, I don't stop listening, but I don't listen. I'm not as fascinated by what you're saying as because I you're, normally you're would be. You're aware of the whole I'm thing. I'm aware of what's happening. And then it makes me so insecure. And then I start to panic. I'm like, I start to fucking panic because I hear I f like the hair story is winding down. And then now what the fuck are we going to talk about? Oh, Even so you though I've known you for like 18 years, I'm, I'm like, uh, so t tell me about music's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you were in the Beatles? Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, so that, that's interesting. So this is this is the part that I think might be interesting is is to actually in that moment just like Hila said yeah. say 
This is so fucking weird, man, because I've known you for so long. And I, don't, I don't know what to say. Right. That's interesting. That's beautiful because then, you know, I'm going to come back with something and then we'll be into it. But as opposed to like something prescriptive where it's like, so, you know, yeah, but you then know. I, like, how many how many interviews can I get away with? I mean, like every interview, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, Jack Black, you're amazing. And I don't know what I'm doing. What should we talk about? But uh, that could be really interesting, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But, but ultimately, you know, it won't be that. No, of course. Yeah. After a while, it'll be. But I think there's something really compelling that it, only in that whatever you're feeling then at the moment. That's it. That, so the, that's what it is. That that goes on the mic. Yeah. It's really it's hard because it requires you to be really naked, warts and all. You, because now you're you're getting all this. Yeah, no, that's I mean? true. That is true. Absolutely. I think that's probably where the trepidation is. Is like less about how do I keep this going and more like, oh shit, how do I how do I sound good? Yeah, that's it. How do I do this and still sound good? And yeah. that's that's the part you gotta get over. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna sound good. No, absolutely not. And don't listen to yourself. Just, oh, I yeah, that's what I do. That's Oh yeah, that, you know. It, I mean, that I'm. I couldn't do that. I could not listen to my voice. Well, it's not even that. It's that even in the moment, I think uh, my mind starts racing about how terrible I am, and 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 this is this whole thing's imbecilic, and I I, I don't I, who do I think I am, and really, oh yeah, it's a whole, it's like a whole cavalcade of. Where does that come from, though? Probably my father. Seriously? No, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah, know. I like that. It's absolutely, definitely, my father. No, no, it's no probably I, not. I it's just, a... I, you know, I don't know. But we've talked about this before. I mean, it's something that it's like one of the monkeys on my back for sure. This kind of running commentary of yeah. judgment. Yeah, I mean, as I get older, it gets better. I, well, I don't know if it gets better. I think I just, I, I don't know. I, I just care about it less. To me, that's the promise of getting older, is that it these start to it and bad to knees. Go. Yeah, bad that and bad knees. Those are the two. My knees are hurting now. For sure. Like when you were, when we were talking oh, earlier yeah. tonight. Yeah. And it's funny because at, you know how you're always encouraging me to exercise. And once you get an exercise, you're going to feel this way and your body wants to do this. And I, I was just reading this thing on Reddit yesterday about, luckily I was very athletic into my twenties. Yeah. Okay. So that there's this whole article about bone density and I probably have really thick bones. <laughs> so that I feel good about. Thank God. Like I can always fall back on that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you but like then, to fall back on your thick bones. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, and then there was this art, this other article, it seemed to be right next to it. It's like some kind of Reddit conspiracy with the way I have my thing set up. But, um, that, you know, they're like, articles designed to make me feel horrible about myself and <laughs> this other one is like at, you need to be s the fittest in your life in your midlife and that informs how you're gonna die how it's all gonna play well, i mean in a way they didn't say midlife how. like 40s basically like right now you well, should be at your fittest I, I'm, I'm not gonna live to be 210 he gonna live to be 210 <laughs> but yeah like right now basically between the time of 40 and 50 that your conditioning and the way like the shape of your body and how supple your yeah. skin is and the no i think that's true firmness of your buttocks i can feel that yeah i i heard this great thing one time it's it, they said um the quote was uh at 50 a man will have the face he deserves which i always loved that you know when you turn 50 you can look and you can see the life experiences they've had you can see also the choices they've made right the toll their lifestyle has had on their body um, and so I, I, I 
that that's been helpful for me to think. Okay, that's that's my goal then is to. That's right. I want at fifty. I want to kind of have a luminous personality. You know, it's mm -hmm. you can have wrinkles and your skin's being a mess. Four years. I got. I've got to do it. I, Things I really though, even do. when you and I are playing tennis, it comes back almost immediately. Those knees. Those yeah, knees but will I stop. I can't get around the court like I used to. No, I mean, but that's because you're playing once a week. The yeah. the moment it becomes a regular thing. That's true. Yeah. Even even if you were, this is not to excoriate you, but even if you were walking ten thousand steps a day, your knees would be like worlds better. But right now, you know, you might get a couple thousand steps a day, yeah. and and then of course you're going bang around tennis. It's gonna it's gonna be a bummer for it's a week. Real dumb. Yeah. yeah. No, but so your body. It, I really believe that your body just has to get used to being a certain way, and then I it agree. wants to stay that way. No, I agree. I agree. It's hard. You know, it's, that's the one thing. You know that uh, I've. You know, I, I have kids that I've started having when I was basically forty. Too. Yeah, when you're old. Yeah, and now I'm 46 and I've got a newborn. It, it's it's really hard to find time to get out and do anything that won't make my wife furious. <laughs> I, that's not true. I mean, she's actually really very. She would be very supportive, don't you think? She, uh, yeah, you know. No, in, in general about you getting in, in general, shape. In general yeah. about me getting in shape if I didn't have to leave the house, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, also right now you're in we're in the weeds for yeah, sure. Yeah, you're in the weeds. I mean, that's, that's right. Even, yeah. even you remember with Will, that, you, right? Totally. Your yeah. first kid. Just if, so even if you can just get past the first six, six nine months. months. Yeah. But right now, not only does she have every right to be resentful of you going and having a life, she's so sleep deprived that she's not even herself. It's she, crazy. You know, yeah. She, she's like, she, she, so I, I wish I could do a do over on that with Hila where I could go back and, and just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it's possible. It's so much. It's so intense. Yeah, I mean the thing. I I just I wish we had a wet nurse. I wish mostly for me because that would be <laughs> awesome and weird. Uh, you know, I it's it's just it's hard to it, yeah it's just hard to get out. She does she does want me to be in shape, but yeah, like you said, she just. I mean, just getting over here. The only reason I'm over here right now is because she took the kids. To her folks' house. I'll tell you though, if if and this this is not advice at all. Yeah. But in retrospect, for me, mm. if I could say, if there's one thing Hila wanted from me was just to be in a goddamn good mood. I was such, uh, uh, just such a grump during the whole time, and yeah, I, I'm really trying to do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, but but so so I think if if it's, I'm guessing with you, if we're all couched positively, you know, like with with her, if it's just. Um, I have to take it not. Per I don't. I, I take things personally. Yeah, me and too. That's the biggest. Me too. Lesson. I know. This. This is the problem. I think with you have to be a man. You have to fucking grow up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the problem. Yeah, I was gonna half joke, but I'm I was gonna say child. something like that too. Yeah. So I don't even know it's a man child. I think that it's we're the first generation. This is a grand experiment that we're having, where we're the first generation that is really trying to treat women equally. Right. We're trying to. I th there wasn't even the artifice of it before. It was just the women are there and the men are here and the men are doing their thing. That's right. And, but so we don't. We have no guidelines or even rules. So it's, sadly, the only template we even have is our fathers. No. And, and, <laughs> well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. I'm out of luck there, man. Yeah. Me too. I mean, my, my, my my dad sort of treats my mom like a like a like a woman like, like a like a woman. That's right. Like a maid. Yeah. And it's not that way anymore at all. So it's all shifted. But the, the thing that's shifted for us is we don't entirely know what our role is mm -hmm. okay it's still not an excuse mm -hmm. um but you know the other problem that i have that i've always had is that i make money in a way that i really enjoy so amy like amy's i think i don't know for sure i but i get the feeling sometimes that 
there's some resentment about me having a good time. Like if, I think if I were laying asphalt for a living, she'd, she would appreciate that a lot more. Well, yours is doubly complicated because she's a singer also. Yeah. So she's got to watch you do your thing over and over. That's not easy. I try to lay asphalt at home. I'll bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you missed <laughs> twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's... What have you got? Come say it into the microphone, Hila Flitman. <laughs> <laughs> To learn to let go the resentment of others as your issue. Because sometimes it's towards you and sometimes it's that's their not, o the own person's process. That's about taking it personal. Process. I just take things personal when I should. And sometimes the resentment of a wife that just has young kids is, is a resentment that is going to process itself over maybe even a couple years. <laughs> you know, it's not going to get solved in a week or in a month or that day mm -hmm. um and and the more you find time to just be 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 in a good mood but then but then of course you got to do what, what you love and you got to do what you got to do for you too and she appreciates that and she knows that that's the best thing too you know mm -hmm. um yeah so I, I and that's a hard that's a hard thing to to do <laughs> you know that's something i try to do with with Ash too, in terms of my own learning, and that's really hard when they're in a bad mood, mm -hmm. you know, from from the you, right? yeah from the earliest stage when they're like crying and screaming and just your and it, there's that weird stomach instinct, and learning to let that go and be like they're processing something they're allowed to, I don't need to always fix it for them, mm -hmm. you know, I just need to be there and I need to try not to take it personally mm -hmm. and not to tell them either don't be in a bad mood or get angry at them for being in a bad mood or, you know, if I want to help them, I can try to help, but. Yeah, I think one of the problems that I have is I think being being the age that I am, I do kind of straddle that, um, the, the paradigms of expectation within a marriage. I think, I think that I, I definitely have taken advantage of Amy's role as uh, as a wife in my, my estimation of what a wife should be. And so sometimes... What do you mean taking advantage? Well, like I'll get irritated about, oh boy, I mean, when we got married, it, it was really tough. And we didn't, we really didn't discuss, I don't know, I, I kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't even think about discussing what our roles would be. You know, I grew up, as you know, I'm an only child and and you know my mom really well. I mean, when I was a teenager, um, I'd get up in the morning, I'd take a shower, and by the time I got back into my bedroom, the bed would be made, the carpet would be vacuumed, yeah. everything would be put away. And at the time, it you know kind of annoyed me, but then as I grew up, I think subconsciously, I expected that in a wife. Yeah, there's an entitlement. That's Absolutely. right. So then when we got married, that didn't just happen automatically. And then there was all this friction that I that started happening that wasn't there before we got married, and somehow the the title of wife sparked all of these unspoken expectations. Yeah, yeah. And finally, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it happened, but it actually occurred to me one day that that very thing. I said, "Oh, I have these expectations of Amy 
that she's not even aware of. Like she did, she didn't even know. And frankly, I didn't even know until I had that revelation. And then we had this discussion and basically just had to talk about expectations. What are, what are your expectations? What are my expectations? What, what's reasonable within the framework of our lives and our relationship? And I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's, it's fucking exhausting just even talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, I, I guess the, the, the it best. it had to happen. It had yeah, to happen. well, the, the talking about it, that's the whole, the whole key, right? Because right. if you don't talk about it, then it all breaks that's down. Right. But so that all sounds really good. I think just right now you, you, it's almost impossible to talk about, but but it still doesn't mean you couldn't exercise more. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, it, because you, you end up feeling better. I know. You, you know. I've been doing. I've been doing all. squats. That's what I've been doing. Wait, are you serious? I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but like just in the living room or what? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Just squats. Sometimes I'm wearing pants. Sometimes I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> are you working? That's how I mix it up. Are you trying trying to get the badonka donk? What's what are you doing? No, I'm trying to get my you know get my knees working. Oh, better I see. And get my get those strength in my upper legs. Okay, well that can't be quadriceps bad. a little that, better. That can't be bad. Yeah, try to use employ proper form. While yeah, good. So a, some, some a newborn. Okay, some strength. Oh, so you're this is why you're holding Maddie. Sometimes. You're doing this? Yeah, I mean you know the like the bobbing kind of helps her calm down. Please tell me there's video of this. There's well, <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> I would pay so much. I have to ask this. my neighbors. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, <laughs> but I mean so, that's like that's all I. But but besides our Wednesday tennis uh, thing, do you ever think? Okay, so the other night when we went to see The Revenant, you know, I was just uh, like we were talking. I was so blown away by the filmmaking. But the other thing that that I loved was just. This the sense of these wide open spaces and, right. this, and adventure, and yes. the, there wasn't anything prescribed. You know, like I'm walking around here in Los Angeles, and it's like, you know, the roads go this way or they go that way, and you walk on the sidewalk, and the cars go on the road, and the grass is here, and the trees, and everything is just—it's all neat and ordered. And there's no something like the Revenant where you're improvising all the time. It's you with nature. With That's right. Big it's open a real sky. Jack London story. Exactly. Now, of course, it's very easy for me to overlook the fact that you know you might get. Shot by a Native American or through the throat, or and, yeah, and bit. That's right, or yeah, gangrene, or yeah, or yeah. a hundred other horrible things, that's right? Starved to death, but but the the idea that it's you know like hearing you doing squats in your in your living room with with the baby, I've done stuff like that too, where it, where it's like I've got to do something. I know, but but what it, what it feels like is like all of your manhood has been stripped away, like every. Why I don't live bit, in the woods. No, but, you, but not even living in the woods. It's I don't have a solution for this. It's just like uh, that to me seems like. Well, it's all, a sign. It's a sign of the times. That's all. Is that what it is? I guess. I mean, I'm like I said, my knees hurt. My here. Here are the facts. Let's just talk about the facts. Okay, I'm 46. I've got a two month old. My wife is sleep deprived. My three-year-old should be outside playing soccer, but he's mostly watching TV because nobody knows what to do with him yet. Yeah. And and I've got this baby sometimes. So I've got to do something. Like, okay, like yesterday, Will and I went out in the backyard. Well, you know, the baby was quiet for like 17 seconds, and Will and I went in the backyard and kicked the soccer ball around. Yeah. And it was terrific. It was great. And yes, I need to try and promote those things every day, but I'm fucking tired, man. And so, so I've got all these things okay, wor like working against. I hear that. 
So the best I can do sometimes is to do squats in my living room. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> well, with Miles from Tomorrowland. No, I'm not judging it. I'm just talking about like the sense of defeat and resentment that comes up, I think, in men when they feel like they they don't get to be men, for whatever that means. Sure. Okay. Right? There's this just yeah. something that and, – and I don't know how to get the manhood back, but I uh, – you know, I don't know if it's cigars and poker night or if it's uh, – you know, you and I can go get our nails done. I Go on. <laughs> but but something where where yeah i i mean i frankly i feel less and i feel so blessed to be with hila because she's such a, a fitness freak that i'm it forces me I, I i know i wouldn't be in shape if i weren't married to her well the i think the other i think there's another thing to it though um i mean when you were in london you were in shape but you didn't look great no okay so the thing is is that you also have arrived in this place in your relationship with Ash's age and the location that you're in yeah, that's, that's and, so the, and the psychological space that you guys are in. And, and, you know, frankly, Amy and I had arrived at that place and then Maddie came with and Will, just like yeah. fucked the whole thing up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, you know. So you, you, I know that we're going, and now I have the comfort of knowing, I mean, it was total, it was apparent in the birth when Maddie was born, the, the experience that I had with Maddie was so profoundly different than yeah. it was with Will. With Will, I just thought, you know, who am I? Who am I in this marriage? Who am I in this world? What's my identity? What is this thing coming out of my wife? Where's all this? Where's all this blood coming from? Am I going to be homeless in a week? And you know, it's just like yeah, yeah, just all exactly. this like a maelstrom of just terrible thoughts. Yeah, that was you know kind of sidelined by this thing that happened that was really cool, <laughs> right? And now, like with Maddie, yeah. it was the opposite. I didn't have anything tempering the joy and the wonder. And I knew that, you know, we have a house and I know that we've, we've got enough cars and we've got, an, I have enough money and, uh, you know, all of that thing. So I'm comforted by the fact that we made it through the first one and got back into this really great, comfortable Yeah, you know this place. will be I, So I know now. that it's, yeah, yeah uh, what it is is me doing squats in the living room right yeah, now. No, I hear you. That's what it yeah, is. That's because, how it is. Because now you've got a ticking bomb on the table, which is, you know, reading Reddit and realizing if I don't get in shape now... Yeah. Even with how crazy it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm doomed. Then, then I'm doomed. Yeah, so so both you're being pushed from both ends. That's right. Yeah, okay. Which was fine in college. <laughs> what, wait. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I that's I was just experimenting. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I it, there. It, yeah, it seems like every day that goes by, there's just a little bit more urgency to the state of my physical and mental health i yeah i can appreciate that yeah I, i'm doing the thing now occasionally where i'll see myself in the mirror and be like oh my god this is really happening yeah this is actually happening it's so surreal it's um yeah well i you know i i think also as the i mean the other side of the coin is that before maddie was born i didn't know will half as well as i know him now because we've spent so much time together over the last, you know, I started taking Will more regularly to do our own like guy things probably six months ago. And the lady that, that advised us through the, the birth and the what's to come. And, you know, we hired this lady that this doula who was amazing really warned us about Will glomming onto Amy and, and just this nightmare situation where I'm kind of left watching everything implode, you know, oh, yeah. and not being able to help. But somehow Will and I become super close and like, oh, Amy did the best thing yesterday. She brought 
she brought home these Nerf guns. Have you ever had these Nerf guns that shoot these little Nerf darts? Yeah, sure. Dude, they're awesome. Yeah, that's the best. Did Will have fun with it? Yeah, she bought two. She bought one for each so of us. So you guys could shoot each other. It's it was the best, amazing. Right? Yeah, we had those in London too. And it's finally something that I don't dread doing with him. <laughs> like putting together giant dinosaur puzzles, which yeah. I don't like. I don't like doing no, that. No, Louis C.K. says that too. You know, it's I, like I you, you it. just, you're so bored out of your mind. Yeah. Yeah, so we ran around with, and I had fun. That's really good. Actually, you know, we should do that for Ash. We should get some of those for when he's got friends over. Because oh. sometimes he gets bored too, and those things are great. Oh, it's amazing! I'm and they're star. They're these Star Wars blasters. Yeah, exactly. Not, I mean, okay, total home run. Oh yeah. So when Will comes over, they could all play together. Okay, this yeah. is great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the best part too is when you can finally really start to interact with them. Yeah, and do things that you enjoy too. Yeah. yeah. You know. That are appropriate. Obviously, I can't take them to Rhino, uh, Experiment Rhino. You could. Anything. Think of think all the attention you get. That's true. It's like taking a puppy. Yeah, bring a cute kid in. Oh, Come on. That's terrible. <laughs> it's going to save you a fart. <laughs> think of all the money you'll save. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Ugh. But what are you going to do? So what do you think about, um, about your – I want – let's – I want to go back to what we were talking about at lunch about this project you're working on. Do you mm. think, I mean, I know we can't really talk much about it right now, but do you think that, go, are you able to compartmentalize? That's something that actually, I mean, I mean, that sounds kind of really radio-y and interview-y, but there's something really that I don't know about you, about how you compartmentalize the, because you're, I mean, you're busy. You've been really busy since I've known you. And how do you do that? How do you keep all the balls in the air, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know how you do that. But Stand on my head. Uh, uh, like, how do you do, like, you're going on these talks, and then you've got this band piece that you're working on, you've got this other project, and they all seem to be due at the same time. Yeah, and and you've told me that one of your secrets to getting a lot done is just making promises that you may or may not be able to keep and then trying your best to make those deadlines. Yeah, that's basically it. So uh, it's a good question i um yeah I, I the best answer i have is not well i don't do it very well at all so usually what happens is i've got a bunch so right now i i've, I've probably got 12 plates spinning right so projects that could come to fruition a year from now two years from now or next week right but, but so, something's spinning and i think that's just the nature of being a um being a, a freelance no uh, being free, yes. <laughs> no being a freelance artist okay right, right? because right. that the, you know you're the same way but like right. we just got to sure. improvise a career so it's sure. like yeah just keep these things going and try to make that happen and also because i'm just endlessly fascinated by things mm -hmm. and so uh, my curiosity always gets the best of me so if i have the chance to go to the space telescope institute i'm going uh, yeah, you got to do that, right? No matter what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, right? So then you add to that. And then, oh, and then or there's a medical conference I've been invited to. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'll do that. Oh, and there's one on the on the health of the oceans. I've been invited to that. You know, and suddenly your calendar's all booked full of a whole bunch of stuff that is uh, it's not myopic. And then what, ha what, what happens when, you know, uh, disaster strikes like two things collide and yeah, one of them they, just doesn't fucking work yeah so what happens usually is one of them just falls apart and that's it yeah so like like i since since i've been doing this 25 years i've been able to convince myself that i can be writing several pieces at one time you know what, that about yourself yeah i know that it's not true at all i can convince myself over and over oh, and over but i know that it's not true i know from experience so what's happening right now for instance is i've got these three things pieces that i'm supposed to be writing and one of them has just taken over one of them just eats my whole brain and spirit. It's all I can think about. And the other ones just aren't getting done. So 
right now my plan is that there's this concert March 22nd. Mm -hmm. So like that's actually happening. Yes, there will be people buying tickets. Right. And it says on the program, here are these pieces, which I'm working on. Right. So those things have to get finished uh, at some point. Mm -hmm. So my plan right now is to finish this thing I'm working on now, hope it is done, work on that, and then somehow throw the rest of that together in a week at the end of February. This is my big plan. It's unbelievable. Now, usually what happens is it's going to take more than a week. It'll take me two weeks. Everybody on the other end works their asses off. They work sure. around the clock copying and engraving. I end up paying them twice as much money to make it happen. Every time we say this will Sounds never like happen movie again. I've ever sung on. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, I don't want it to be that way, and I have such admiration for people who don't do it that way, but for some reason that's... Like, just, who, who doesn't... Well, in my mind... I mean, to me, that seems like the way most people do it. Well, no, actually, like, Jeff Beal is the perfect example. Another guy you should talk to. So Jeff seems to have it all worked out. He seems to write more music. He writes a dozen hours of music a year. How do you do that? 12 hours of music. So he, like, he's got... Um, is well, it actually, about, I mean, is it about creating a framework? Like, does he have a stylistic framework that he works within that's just basically variations of the Jeff Beal style, you know? I don't know. Is when you listen to music, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like he's... He's There's something new every time. Yeah, finding new interesting things every time. It, it seems more that he he loves to work and he really works. Now, one thing mm -hmm. he's got to his advantage right now is his son is out of the house. That's right. So and although, his work is in his house. That's right. So he's probably working all day. But that's to his right. credit, he works all day. So part of it is the Stephen King uh, yeah, that's right. uh, maxim, which is just get up and write for six hours that's every right. day. Just do it. And I remember one time uh, I went out to have a drink i invited you you weren't there i went out with john powell yeah, yeah and yeah. i invited jeff and i said jeff when, when come come on over it's that, friday night that's per man that would have been great yeah but jeff couldn't because jeff was finishing up house of cards he just couldn't he said i might be able to finish this by 8 30 but i'll let you know and that's where you're different from jeff well you no know, because i can totally relate to that but by the time i got to the this has to be done tonight the rest of my life would have fallen apart i probably wouldn't have taken the phone call do you know what i mean if, if I see. it's always an emergency do you envy that or you just accept that about the way you work now? No, I, I wish I, I – no, I I mean I think I wish I could be like that. I, I, it seems like a because cleaner Because we've had these done. conversations a lot about I have the – I you know me. I've always had these illusions of just being able to change myself overnight and then I'm going to make this promise and do this thing and then I'm going to be this thing now yeah. because I've always wanted to be that thing. And you're always like, well, no, that, that's just not who you are. You are this then yeah, – I mean, the, maybe that's just the truth, right? Like, Yeah, it's better to know who you are I think and then work within that. Right. Um, Instead same, of being sorry for not being something else. Yes. Yeah. That's it. What I have discovered about myself is if it's something I love and really want to do, then I will work around the clock. And t But, you know, still I'm such a perfectionist. It's never going to be finished until it has to be done. Now, that's the thing that I've seen in the time that I've known you is that <clears throat> you've developed um, a comfort in turning in something that you're not entirely happy with because it will never be that. Thank you for saying that. It doesn't feel – I'm glad it looks like comfort from the outside. I think, unfortunately, what it actually is is me knowing that – I used to have in my mind, especially with classical composition, that the premiere was the premiere, mm -hmm. right? That it's finished, and that's the piece forever. Now, mm -hmm. to me, the premiere is kind of like a, a bad dress rehearsal. It's like, yeah, okay, let's put that up and see if it works. Oh, it doesn't work? Then see, that's what I'm talking about. I'll take I it down. I'll change it. I'll really, change it. I think that's really – I think it frees, it frees you, right? I, I hope so. Yeah. But what's interesting, starting to get into something like film, there's no dress rehearsal, and well, they're well, yeah, and they're definitely not like, oh, sure. take your time, you know, like 
Well, like we said before, I mean, each film is an industry in itself. I mean, that you're talking, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, it's a good make. way to describe it. I mean, it's yeah. a, that's a big business. Yeah, it's so little company. Uh, absolutely, and it or employs thousands, company. thousands of people. Yeah. So the stakes, I think, I think the stakes are the same once you become fluent in that vernacular. But until you do, boy, the the stakes seem high. You know, like, for instance, when we talk to John. When we talk to John Powell, I don't get the feeling from him that he experiences the same amount of gravity that maybe he used to when he was 30. No, I think you're right. I think he's somehow— He's unbelievably um, comfortable with I the know, process. I know, I know. Just crazy, crazy. like, calm about—but that, that being said, he also seems to be crazy calm about everything in his life. And maybe it's just like a British thing. Yeah, I think it's partly a British thing, but you look at Jeff, too. I think it's a personality thing. I think there are certain personalities that do well in film scoring because they can withstand the pressure. And the, the ones who don't have that personality, I think— Oh, it just eat them alive, Yeah, right? they, they crack. They, it's, I think not knowing, that's probably why I didn't end up going into film composing. Well, you said you went to one session, right, when you got to town at USC? Yeah, I went to the to the film scoring school, yeah. but for you know for two years I pursued it. I really tried to break in. I went to to oh, lunches and dinners. Yeah, I, I even uh, you really like schmoozed. And yeah, schmoozed. Put thing. in music for a couple films that I tried to get and didn't get them. Tried to get an agent. I really tried, um, but I think the truth is it's the lifestyle that scared me off. That it's just not. It's yeah. I would just I would burn out so fast. Yeah, and the thing is I don't want to burn out. The music to me is the whole thing. It's it's what I. It's me. That's right. Right. It's my my life and my blood. And it's it's if that loses if that loses meaning. Well, the film business dominates that whole thing. It's the business part of film. That's it. Li I mean, living with Nelson, uh, with Nelson Lee, you know, he he still works in the film business. He was he did the Ang Lee film that. Uh, uh, with the fucking tiger and the oh yeah uh, the, uh, yeah what was that Life of Pi yeah Life of Pi right and then the company he was working for after they won the Oscar they folded and it was like it was really heartbreaking because they 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 produced this product that was so beautiful and they won the Oscar for cinematography on on these images that had really nothing to do with cinematography yeah, because yeah. it was all CGI the whole thing. The sunset was CGI. The, the the tiger was CGI. The boat, the water, everything was CGI except yeah. for that Indian kid. Yeah, and it's they won. Yeah, and they won this uh, Oscar for it, and then the company folded because it's a business, and because it's a business, yeah. at first and foremost. And that's what I said earlier today, where it's that the intersection of art and commerce is. There's some tr real tricky stuff that happens there. Yeah, no question. You it's... know, and then if if your life is this one thing, is music. Uh, putting that in jeopardy for, you know, like she says in Fargo, for what? A little bit of money. Yeah, for a little bit. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, that's a so, problem. That's right. So it can't be only about the money. You, you've got to do something that you truly love. And uh, yeah, and then, there are, then there are the gigs that are just like, oh, God, I've got myself into this and I got to do my best to. But, you know, I have to say a lot of times this is more on the spiritual artistic side. Sometimes like I'll find myself trapped and think, what am I doing? And that's when I do my best work. I hate to say yeah, it, but I actually... Yeah, the night before the papers do, right? Yeah, but even not the procrastination, more about the adapting myself out of a trap. This goes back to what we were talking you about, know, the like revenue. A creative trap? Yeah, well, or just like uh, there's a deadline, uh -huh. right? So there's something coming up. It's looming, and you're feeling all this stress. It's as if you're being attacked by a bear. I see. And then you've got... So you have to adapt. You have to somehow get... You have to work your way out of it. So you end up coming up, at least I do, sometimes coming up with original things for me. That may not have happened... That's right. Wouldn't Without have happened. those circumstances. The problem is then 
it's Pavlovian. Yeah. So you live through all that stress. You have one of these great eureka moments at the last possible minute, and you start to conditioning yourself to thinking that's the magic. Yes, wrecking my marriage and my yeah, yeah, relationship. Just, just, yeah, yeah, destroyed yeah, my life and my do. body. That's, <laughs> that was the key all along. <laughs> I might as well have gotten a film. Yeah, and then you wake up one day and you're 46, and you actually uh, don't know how to do it the other way. So, right. so when you ask, like, would I like a, a disciplined way of doing it? I think I would, but I, but I, you don't. I don't even know how to start. I wouldn't and even know I've got to say, you know, knowing you for as long as I have, like I said earlier, you, you found a way to create a, I don't want to say a product, but a, a cr create create a piece of art um, without without so much without so much of the destructive stress that you used to put yourself under. I mean, I I see I, I see that. what you do is that you you make your schedule full. Yeah. But I see that time crunch affecting you less than it used to. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Because I, 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 you know, there were periods uh, before you moved to London where, and it, it, I mean, I know when you're busy because like we normally see each other at least once a week, two, sometimes two, three times a week. Yeah. And I know like when I don't talk to you for a week that you're like really, yeah, when, when we you've got something, but I it know. used to be much I months. know. I remember we'd like disappear yeah, months. for months. I know that's. I, I wouldn't call anybody. So I wouldn't talk different. to anybody. Yeah, that's something you've changed about the way you work for sure. Th thank you. Although th then, but what's happened is, yeah, I, I burned out in London hard. I I ran way too long, way too hard, and um, and it started. I think it even started affecting my mental health. You know, you saw me yeah, this yeah, summer. Yeah. I think I was genuinely. You know, oh, when we traveled to to uh, France, yeah, you right. Know, yes. Kind of stress, and paranoid, and, and, yeah. and it's like I, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is, the last six months or so, I haven't really done that much work. Mm -hmm. I haven't, you know. Now I'm starting to get back into it. It's starting to gear up, and you're starting to see, you know, it, yeah, the I, crunch a little bit. Yeah, but I hope I can keep what you're talking about this kind of sense of grace mm -hmm. um, while it's happening, because there's no question it's a better way to live. Oh, for sure. Um, I get the same way though. I, I become really insular and I can't think of anything else. It, um, that's where this meditation thing has really helped. I mean, I haven't done it in 17 days, but the idea of doing it and remember it, what it, what it used to feel yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, that's another thing. I got to do some more squats <laughs> and I've got, <laughs> and, uh, got to cover myself in pudding and do some meditation. It's just what I do. Uh, the meditation is the whole thing. That's the thing. It? That's it's the thing. so it, good. It it's, creates this, um, padding around you like a buffer uh, like a psychological and emotional buffer yeah between you and the rest of the world and you can let people into that space your, your friends and your family and still have this emotional safety around you and it mm -hmm. kind of it uh, for me it just puts things in, into perspective a little bit more. yeah i think that's, that's great. a thing yeah Where i used to get so um monocular and so wound up and and just one thing that I'm doing. Yeah, because you'd be dr driven emotionally. That's it. And then as it turns out, the emotional language is just, it's one operating system in your brain. Yeah. And actually right. you can just reinstall, reboot and go, oh no, actually there's a totally rational, placid mind that mm -hmm. also is an is, is an OS. And, and can get things done. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and but, create great. But, but it, yeah, changes. And, but it's still all you. Right? Yeah. It's still the same hardware. It's just a different way of seeing the world. Well, where I, I, I mean, I've changed in a way that is similar to the way that you work. I used to, um, I used to just be so um, wrapped up in what I was doing that I, I used to convince myself that when I was performing, when I used to sing more principal roles, um, the more I felt in the moment, oh yeah, like how yeah. how it felt to me is what the audience is what is. Th then I was really turning in the, yes. the great product, and then uh, invariably, 
at the end of the run after you know four or six shows it was always the it was always the show where i was thinking about um you know gosh i'm hungry or uh, what what were the words on that thing i i don't know i've got to, i don't forget to get milk on the way home and it was always those shows where the people would come up to me afterwards and say man that was that was really probably because you were loose and present i i guess and i i i think the lesson that i learned was that you don't have to i don't know i think there's a real misnomer in our business of the arts just generally where you have to suffer for yeah, a good I, quality I agree. product and i don't i mean i think a lot of artists dish out suffering but i don't i think a lot of the great artists didn't thing is when suffer. it comes to composing i i don't know how to not do that you know when i was at juilliard david diamond who is just a terrible teacher but he we had we had a really interesting lesson one day where he i i brought something in for him and i played it for him and he said now why would you do that this is always his question why would you do that you know and i who has an answer for why they would do it and i i but I probably said something like, because it feels right. Mm -hmm. He said, feels, what good is feeling going to do you? And I said, well, I don't know how to write unless I'm feeling it. And he said, what's going to happen to you the day when you don't feel? What are you going to write then? Okay, now at the time, you know, I was 25 and I was like. Eh. That's impossible. Yeah, and also, fuck you. I, I, like, yeah. I know what I'm doing and why are you in my head? But the, the truth is now I understand what he's saying, which is like. You got to work. So what are you, yeah, what are you going to not write for six months because you're not feeling anything? That's or, or, or this film's coming up, so you got a deadline and you're not feeling anything. So what are you going to do then? So I can appreciate the craft of it. Well, that's the trap that these that artists make. You know the, um, you know, uh, like some of the great authors that write one terrific book. Yeah, and then like, like look at Proust. I mean, that was that was it. What are you gonna do now? You fucking move to an island and <laughs> just because you can't do it anymore, or you yeah, kill but, yourself, or but, what do you do? But then the problem is, it's like the the muscle that it comes from, like. I guess you have to summon this superhuman strength every time you want to produce something good, right? Yeah, if that's how you work. Yeah, you know, and also like I don't even understand music outside that thing, right? Outside that, I, like I, I play through Bach on the piano and I love it, I adore it, but I kind of marvel at it too. It's like God, it's just music for music's sake. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of like oh, well, because he had a fucking congregation coming in two days. Yeah, but I mean, it's just I've got to write something. I know, or these commissions are right, but th that's an amazing thing. Amazing. I don't, I don't have that bone. But also, you don't get the sense that he's just writing to write. There are composers that you hear that where it's like, okay, there's just churn. With Bach, it's like every piece is somehow this, it's unique. Yeah. yeah, it's him. You right. hear him on the page, mm -hmm. and um, but who he is is kind of a muso brain, right? Like his brain is designed to find patterns and connections and look at all the cool beautiful things you can do with these notes that's never what it is for me for me it's always what is the emotional journey of the audience from here to here i mean and and but uh, i mean that served you well yeah well you, i mean the music that you make is first of all it's it's accessible and but it's it has a lot of integrity as far as the uh, you know the, t the tonalities that you use and the rhythms that you use and the themes that you create I think for me, it's the best of both. I want. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. But then the thing is, so and maybe this isn't a bad thing, but I can't churn. I can't just produce music on 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 demand. On yeah. demand, and there yeah. are people who absolutely can. Starting with Bach, who is you know like 
yeah, he's got a gig this but week. That, I do. That's like being a, that's like being a painter and saying saying yeah, but Picasso. Yeah, but that's the that's what we all I do. Mean, how, no, you aspire. I don't want to settle for yeah, anything yeah. less. It's not that I'm trying to be better or even as good as Bach, mm -hmm. but if I know that it exists, then of course that's I want to improve you myself. You strive for that. Yeah. yeah, I want every piece to be better. I want me to be better. In fact, that's really what I want is I want me to be better. I want to be a better version of me. Sometimes I worry that that's a trap with meditation because meditation, it's are you just settling for everything's fine just who you are that's the right you right now and or or is the true you you mean it also like you're going to lose your edge somehow yeah unfortunately or does the true you actually have the ambition if you're an ambitious person you can't ever let go of that so it's just always going to be there it's just more how you feel about it or how you deal with it well the thing that meditation's done for me is that it doesn't allow one thing to dominate the truly important parts of my life the true really the truly important parts of my life are my family my friends, um, the people who I spend time with, my health, what I do to enjoy my life. I mean, how much more important is something that I'm going to make be than those things? No, you're absolutely right. And if anything, meditation makes me a better composer. There's just no question. So I, I, so I mean, I think if, yeah, I think if it. No, I think what's happening right now, if I can just yeah. point this out, yeah, yeah. because I do this all the time, I think it's one operating system trying to sabotage the other operating system That's out right. loud. That's what that thing is doing. It's like, oh, no, no, no. You're gonna lose your edge. You know that. that well, that's where that Dan, that's where that Dan Harris book was so helpful. For so me. great. Uh, where 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 he? I mean, the big. There were two. Well, the biggest lesson that I got out of that book that was like a real revelation was when he says, um, "The voice in your head is not who you are." Yeah. And I and you know me well enough to know that that can be overwhelming for me. This this voice that has. Um, yeah, that that's not evolved you. in my head to say these terrible things and to, to not, you know, just to make me feel like I, I don't deserve something or I'm not good enough or something. That is not me. Yeah. That, and that's so that's, liberating. Uh, it's so liberating. The one I took for myself that I use all the time now is he was talking to one of the gurus and the gurus, he was saying, you know, the, the, the guru says, listen, you, uh, you don't, don't worry about the past, don't worry about the future, just be here now. And so he's saying, yeah, but what do I have to do if I have to plan an airplane trip? What do I have to do? And so the, the guru says, well, of course you have to plan your airplane trip, but the 17th time that you think about it, is it still useful to you? Right. That's I, I, all the time. If I'm just, you know, like obsessing on something, right. it's like, is this useful right now? And that, that was very, and useful is such a great word, right? Because then it, it, it's detached from emotion. That's right. It's just, does this function? Yeah. Does it yeah. function? That, yeah. That that was incredibly helpful. That I you know I've given that book to a number of people now. Oh, you have. Yeah. Well, I I think it's a great book. I I actually need to practice what I preach a little more because, I, you know, I don't know. I I didn't grow up meditating, and it's it's hard to incorporate a new paradigm. I mean, that's a real that's a new paradigm really for, or a new template for. You know, I found your daily life. I've gotten away from it too, but I found it's very much like working out. It's just it's, you, can get, you can get back into it. Yeah, just because, but it needs to become a habit. That's right, right? It's so it starts discipline. So it's like you got to force yourself for whatever it is, three yeah. or five or thirteen days. That's right, and then it becomes habit, and then you thirst for it. So then a day that you don't have it, you're it's something's not right, right? So it becomes an integral part of your day. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what has, to be honest, just fucked me up is the internet. Yeah, it's it's there's just too much too much information. Yeah, and I what happens is when I'm not actively meditating or living in that 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 quiet space, where I am is on the internet. Mm -hmm. Just 
absorbing information. Headline after headline. Headline, after headline. Yeah, yeah. Somehow it's all important and it all has to do with it. Sure. And you know, you and I are both such curious people that it's just endless. But I, I not only do I think it's it's destructful to, to the, that silent place, I actually think it's it's messing up my ability to think. I don't think I I am like you don't absorb thing deep things as easily. Yeah, and I can't focus like I used to. Sure. Like like when I, I, I had a really great patch there where I was meditating all the time and staying off the computer as much that as makes possible. Such a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I found myself reading novels again for the first time in years. Yeah, where I was really you know these long epic works, and now now it's hard to just even sit down and read for three or four minutes That's in a right. row. And so it's the same thing with focusing with you know with on on the work or with family. I, I it's it's an interesting experiment that we're having with the internet right now. No, and, I totally agree. I'll be. Uh, and God knows what it's going to do to our I'm kids. I'm the same way. And I know that you tell me all the time, don't, you know, it's like an hour before bedtime. Don't. I still do it. I still, like, I lay in bed. And well, talk. I do too. So, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, I, I stopped for a while, but yeah. the last couple of weeks I've been doing it. Yeah, for I, me, I, it's the elections. Yeah. No, That's it, what it is. But isn't, so here's the funny thing, right? Like, yeah. is it going to determine the outcome of the election? Not one if bit, I right? In, in 10 months, one of those people is going to win. That's right. And it, nothing changed. It's just Bernie Sanders 2016. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 months. Well, now it's, you know, twice as long, but now we're 10 months away. It's just speculation. It's always just pure speculation. Yeah, well, you know, but the the internet kind of tells you otherwise. It, it kind of, it convinces you that you know what's going to happen. I know, but it's, but, you know. But, so, it's, but you don't. So even if you do know what happens, so what do you, I think ultimately we're pattern-seeking beings. So yeah. we're looking for a signal in the noise. And there's something about being the idea of cultural literacy. You know, we live in Los Angeles. Everybody's in the know and you want to have something interesting to say and it, that's part of it for me i mean i like i well i mean i thirst for information yeah but i think the information that's being presented like you say may not be as valuable as it as they make it sound yeah, right. I, you know, they're still trying to sell toilet paper and cars and mortgages and that's what the internet does now it's what tv's always done they're just trying to sell you stuff really yeah yeah that's it yeah, we and it's, it's harder to recognize that when you don't have to sit through commercials and it's not as overt and obvious but that's still how it's – that's why it's basically free because you, you know, they're telling you what to buy, and you actually go out and buy it. Yep, yep, yep. Or like the you know the beautiful maxim about, like, say, Facebook, for instance, if you can't figure out what they're selling, you're the one that's being that, – that is – they're selling, right? If you can't figure out what the product is, you're the product. That's right. So, uh, yeah. And it's I, so funny how so many people are so, are so eager to be the product. And then it goes into the whole culture of, like, people growing up wanting to be famous yeah wanting to be famous that yeah, that's something that, to aspire that's what to what you want to do it's not that's what you want to be is famous yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting time it's in a really interesting time it's it's uh yeah i both uh i i for for me it's all about ash you know it's all about god i just hope he is okay with all this i hope we don't completely destroy him with I mean, the, god well i hope i don't destroy him as a i i mean i've got some real worries about my role in his development like as a father in wills yeah. yeah for sure i find yeah, i here's the thing this is honestly this is why i'm doing squats in the living room is because i need to generate more physical energy on his behalf for his behalf what do you mean well i i don't Oh, you need to be more yeah, I need active. Yeah, I just need to be in better shape so I can run around with him. I know. Well, that's that's one of the tricks and of I'm just being just an older, fucking tired. an older parent. Yeah, and the, the kids have so much energy. It's so much on. energy, it just doesn't stop. I know. It's, trust me. If if like I said, if I weren't married to Gila, 
a lot of times I would let Ash just go do your thing. But she's got so much energy that, okay, I'm up and let's do this thing and let's be active. And then once you get up and do it, you find that it's actually way better than what you were dreading to yeah. begin with. Like, you know, uh, sometimes Will will grab my hand and say, come on, play. Let's go play, Daddy. And and I kind of do. Like, I'll kind of. I, I'm not on my phone. I don't. I, I just. I'm just not into it. Maybe it's because he's three and I just, three-year-olds just do lame stuff. I mean, that, you know, that could be it. No, I, I hear you. I mean, once we can go to like car auctions and go fishing and and shoot, you know, tin cans. Stuff that you love. Yeah, yeah. stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah, picking I know, up I know. It's, it's, the, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's a hard balance. I don't, you know. And then I feel guilty. I feel guilty that, and maybe that goes back to what we were talking about, is that we do have a lot of pressures. I mean, your dad didn't. Go. He didn't go run around with you and build. Well, no, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. The last thing in the world I would have done as a kid is wanted to play with my parents. Yeah. Exactly. But the difference is you'd want to play with all the other kids in your neighborhood. There was this time when you just opened up your door and you went outside and you were gone until nine o'clock at night and everybody's mom would call them home. Yeah. So you're just out. You'd want I, to play I with I the can't other even kids. See doing that in our neighborhood. And we live in a pretty suburban pocket of LA. I, it's, just, it's just not the way the world works I, anymore. Yeah. At least doesn't seem to. Where At least not here. I also didn't grow up in Los Angeles and you didn't either. I mean, yeah, I, I grew, grew up, up on a green belt on a cul-de-sac. Yeah, I don't know. You could if, go out and build forts and I don't know if it's that way in other little towns. It's an interesting point. You, know, you can't go out and throw dirt clods at each other here. No. I sometimes I really worry as a parent that I've made a wrong decision by doing this by living a really suburban life. Well, it's it's a lot better than London, though. I mean, at least you have the beach here. No, I mean, and all the weather, of this great. Like but the weather facilitates you guys getting out. No, th all of that. But, I mean, just, just where, the, you know, the kids can just go outside and play and I get know. dirty and, and run and around. And figure it out. And figure just it out. figure the shit out. Figure it out, on, yeah. On, the, on their own. Yeah, also, you know, it's so rare that kids are even alone these days. So that, that you know, some kid gets pushed over or something. There's a there's a way that you, you start to learn how to, as opposed to your parents are always, oh, careful, or we don't do that, or we don't, you know, it's like, no, no, listen. Like, you know what's really kind of... weird too is that my, I I mean I have this memory of growing up that's kind of similar to yours where we'd go out. We lived there was a we lived on a cul-de-sac and then there's a, a big green belt and then a giant row of trees that was like miles long at least it seemed like that and then on the other side of those trees were a train track and there was no fence or you just walk through the eucalyptus trees and there's a train track yeah. there. And I remember one time a, somebody got hit by the train, and we wanted to go down. I mean, it's just it's just like that Stephen King story. Yeah, we wanted to go down and see the you know the body or the arm or whatever. Yeah, and we walked for I don't know. It seemed like hours. Yeah, and then did some stuff and didn't see anything, of course, and walked back and and we used to do that kind of stuff all the time. We'd have dirt bikes and we'd oh, build yeah. giant yeah. mounds and jump over each just other, or jump over each other's bodies. Yeah. Like yeah. Somebody would lay down. Exactly. We would do this all jump. the time. Yep. And now my mom comes over to the house and Will is on a scooter and, or whatever. And he takes a fall and she gets really uptight. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that's, that's a bummer. And I don't know what that is. That's, and, but, and I, I wasn't raised that way. Maybe it's just cause she wasn't around to see this. I'm worried stuff that it that makes we them really doing. fearful. And, and especially and I go the boys. other way with Will. Like, I, you should see his face. His face is a giant scab right now. He felt he was going down a hill on his scooter and he just ate it. Yeah. So and luckily, I mean, luckily, and we talk about this too about the personalities of kids and how they just have their own personalities. Yeah. He didn't cry. He he just we washed it off with soap. And but if my mom were there, she would have had a fucking heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, in a way, that's her role. That's okay, right? So yeah, that, sure, that's that's sure. what she's going to do. Absolutely, and she's and she's a fantastic grandmother. I yeah, mean, she, yeah, she's great and a great mom too. But at the same time, you, you the kids just need to be able to go out and, and bang themselves up. Yeah, bang themselves up. But that that doesn't seem to be. It's, part, it's, it's not part of the. Yeah, it's also culture. prescribed now. You know, you go to the bouncy house and you're there for an hour and they put your shoes here and you put the. There's no sense of kind of. Adventure, and now the, law, now the law can get involved. What do you mean? I mean, if your kids are walking around, oh yeah, you, right that, about that's this like, stuff. That's like actually illegal in some places. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy. So then, what's going to happen to these kids when they grow up? And yeah, well, that's what I worry about. Is uh, like, is their comfort zone confined to just things they know and patterns that they're used to? And so, so they get a job from nine to five only because that's what they're used to. Is a sense of structure and you know not having to think for themselves or not having to improvise. I hope that's not it. Yeah, me too. And also, you know, I have to recognize too that we live in Los Angeles, which is its own. It's not the. It's, it's not just the little microcosm of. I mean, we not everybody thinks this. I assume that the whole country thinks like we do, and I know. But you think about how, think about your neighborhood. Think how safe it would be. So I don't think it's a microcosm, but I think the thing we're talking about is going on all over the country. I yeah. don't think. Do you think even like in the rural? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I know you know Tony lives in Kansas, and he mm-hmm. says that. Basically, all the backyards are connected. There aren't fences. Yeah, so right, right, right. It's a very run. Midwestern thing. That's how it is in Ohio, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe it's more like that. I don't know if the kids ever took advantage of it, though. I kind of, you know, part. I always, I still struggle with this. Like, I, I long for this little country house next to a stream where I could go fishing. And, and, and then I think, wow, but I would miss all the culture. And then the other side of me says, so you don't even go out to the culture because the traffic's so <laughs> yeah, right, damn terrible. Right, yeah. It's like, and you know, and then I'm doing squats in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been thinking this too. I've been thinking about, you know, where, like, should we all just move to Jackson Hole? What, what's the? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what's what's actually preventing? Well, I mean, I know what it is. It's at my parents and Amy's parents, and the funny. Know. Oh, hang on, it's yeah, here. sure, sure. Hey, baby. No, come, come on home. We've been going. How long we've we been going? Like an hour. An hour. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Cut. Oh, today and not not tomorrow then. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, just us and egg tacos. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. I'm going to be in Pasadena. Yeah. Omar's got, he's got a date tonight. Okay, beautiful. Ani Hovatach. Bye, baby doll. Did she just say kiss Omar for me? She did. She said kiss Omar. Oh, God. She knows me so well. (laughs) Uh, Let me just make sure. Okay. Well, Mr. Eric Whitaker. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a pleasure. See, this was great, I thought. Right? Absolutely. Like, I don't know. This is just you and I talking. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't pull that off. Maybe it's the maybe it's the uh, environment. Like being in your house. You know, I know your house. I'm super comfortable. Last night we were set up in the middle of Red Cat at Disney Hall. Oh, you were? Like yeah, in, a like lobby in a lobby or something? Yeah. Yeah, which were there people walking by and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so already you got to kind of like. You have to fight that. Yeah, you're putting on a thing. Yeah. And also just, like you said, a little bit of experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and like the more you, the more you get into it, the more I remember that oh, I just need to listen to what my friend is saying. That yeah. Like normal like a normal human. 
Well, at, le- at least listening to the stuff that you did uh, with Marty, this time you were talking a lot more about yourself. Like you revealed a lot more. It was more like a conversation than a, right. an interview. Well, that's what the show's about. It's living with a genius. <laughs> so that's that's what we have to wrap around. <laughs> I feel like you got to justify that title, living with a genius. Like how does it start? It's on, it's on the website. <laughs> that's it? Yeah, I, I'm in a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else I have to tell you. <laughs> just... Uh, just just look at the picture. <laughs> uh, oh my God. All right, man. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Eric Whitaker. He's a he's a great guy. You know, uh, I know that he's kind of a celebrity uh, in the coral world in particular. And uh, I know he's got, you know, I don't know, probably millions of fans. And I know most of you out there don't know him. I know a lot of you that are listening do know him because most of my friends listen to this. And uh, you can all attest to the fact that uh, he's actually a really great guy. He's just a normal, cool dude. And, uh, you know, anyway, I count myself really lucky to know him. So I hope you all get a chance to to meet him and tell him I said hi. Uh, Stay tuned for next week, a week from today, for another episode of Eric Whitaker. I don't know, maybe I'll just do an episode of Eric Whitaker every, every week. I think I'd, I think the podcast would be pretty popular, but uh, I hope you all have a good day and a good week. Uh, again, I thank you all for listening. I thank you for your support. I want to thank Gregory Geiger over at LAClassical.com for helping me with my theme song. I'm still loving it. I'm still using it. Probably I'll keep using it. So thanks, buddy. I want to thank Michael Nielsen over at MichaelNielsenMusic.com, co-owner of Ninja Tracks, the biggest. Uh, uh, composers of blockbuster trailer film trailer music in the world a friend of mine so let me use a sure sm7b microphone so listen sure of america if you're listening to this send over a couple more mics and i'll keep plugging you because i love them really i guess that's it like until next time like long walks and you wear clean pants genius get onto my show